This morning in John chapter 9, we're going to remain in that book, but we're going to back up to chapter 1. John chapter 1, our passage is going to be verses 1 through 14, and we will refer back to that periodically and notice some things. But I want to begin by thinking about the good news. What is the good news? That's the title of the sermon this morning. What is the good news? We talk a lot about the good news. We read a lot about the good news. And we hear a lot about the good news. Or the gospel. That's what gospel means, isn't it? It's the good news. And it's the good news of Christ. But have we ever just sat down or studied or considered as we study? And I think we all understand what it is. But have we truly understood and looked at it in a little deeper sense of what is the good news? What is the gospel? In reality, the gospel is really the history of Christ's life on earth. It's His story in essence, right? Uh, when we when we think about the story of Jesus, and, and I'm, uh, I hesitate most of the time to use that term story or that word story because what we often think of when we hear story, we think of a fairy tale or we think of a myth, right? But that's not, not the case. We all have a story or stories, don't we? And that's just simply the history of our lives up to this point. We can look back and we can think of the story of our lives when we were younger, when we were older, or whatever the case may be. But we're not talking about fairy tales. We're not talking about myths. We're talking about stories. And why do we even consider the stories of one's life? Because it's comforting. It's comforting to us, isn't it? We think back of uh, about the interactions we've had with friends and family Sometimes some of them are no longer with us, but we, we think back about those and, and, uh, it helps us even for a moment to escape maybe some present day problems as we think about a fond memory that we may have. I think about that often. I think a lot of the times about some of the things that my dad and I did together as I was growing up. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel good if you're particularly missing someone or whatever the case may be. But we think about the stories of, of those that we miss or that, that we would like to see again. And it makes us happy to think back on those times in our lives. And eventually that's what happens. Even when we lose someone, we eventually get to the point where we can live with that a little better. And then when we think about them, we smile. And we think about the wonderful things they meant to us. Well, the gospel is the story of Jesus' life or the account of Jesus, right? But his story is different. His story is different. Oh, the the stories that we have of, of those people we know in this world, they comfort us. The story of Christ's life comforts us. But the difference is this. When we think about the interactions we've had with people in this world that we love, we're comforted for the present and we look forward to the future, to being reunited with them, right? But it is because of Christ's story or His life that, we can have comfort in the next life. That's what makes it comforting to think, well, we'll be reunited. And so that's the difference between people who we remember and and Christ when we think about what He has done. But it can only bring comfort to us if we know His story, right? If we know the good news, if we understand the gospel. And before that can happen, we have to delve into it. We have to understand it, right? So when we look at this idea, you know, what is the good news? 
What is his story? Well, as we look in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, he talks about in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He goes on to talk about everything that was made was made by the Word. And then we get down to verse 14 and he talks about, and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld Him as if as the only begotten of the Father. So when we begin to think about the good news, we have to first start with the idea that He came, right? That's our first point. He came to earth to uh, to be with His creation, but He came for a reason, didn't He? He came for a reason, and that reason was that He came to live among us. He lived among us. If we, if He was going to come and be the Savior for the world, He had to come and experience what we experience. That's what made Him the perfect sacrifice. He had to come and face the tribulations, the temptations, all the things that we face in this life, and He did that when He lived among us. Now, in the prologue of uh, to His Gospel account, the Apostle John introduced another man, didn't he? John the Baptizer. This John was sent by God. He came as a witness. He wasn't the light, but He came to prepare the way for the light. He came to introduce the light to the world because in the Word was the light and the light of men. And if anyone was going to come out of the darkness of sin, they had to come toward the light and they had to be in the light. And we read that in John 1, 19 through 23 also. Now the baptizer, he witnessed a lot about the life of Christ, didn't he? In fact, he was about six months older than uh, Jesus the man, and he was his first cousin. So he witnessed him growing up, and he saw the things that he did when he, when he came into his own, and so he made the way for him. But he became a man, John 1, 14, and when the, the apostle talks about the, the things that he saw, particularly in verse 14, he's going back to the, Mount of Transfiguration. He saw the Christ as close as he could be to his heavenly form, right? And that's why he says, That which from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for that was manifest to them. Apostle Peter also wrote of that eyewitness. Remember, it was James, John, and Peter and they all saw what happened on that mount. So when we look at uh, the, the, the gospel, the good news, you first have to be, begin with He came to earth. That was necessary. And He lived among people. But that's not all He did. He came and He lived among people, but He endured the things of this life. He endured. He didn't stop, did He? It had been very easy for him to have said, you know, this just isn't worth it. I've created this world, and I have given them the prophecies. I've shown them the way, and they ought to be able to recognize me as the very Son of God, and they've chosen not to. What would, what would the rest of us in the world have done? We'd said, see you later. Not worth it. You're going to treat me this way? You know, how do we feel when people we love mistreat us? Well, I mean, it's hurtful, isn't it? it? It's hurtful to us. It angers us. 
it, you know, it, it just tears us apart when we think of someone who we love and we feel like we've done a lot for them and we put them first in our lives and then they turn and they don't appreciate that in any way whatsoever. Now think about it if you were the Christ. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. He endured. The prophet Isaiah was also a witness to the coming of Christ and and he talked about how he would endure the trials, the tribulations, how he would suffer at the hands of wicked people, Isaiah 53. Notice what he preached, beginning with verse 1 of Isaiah 53. He said, "...who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and..." When we shall see Him, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. He's not anything out of the ordinary, physically. He's not something that's going to catch your eye. But as you continue that passage, by the time that they finished with Him, we understand that He, all of a sudden now, He's the man of sorrows. He's the one who endured such a terrible, terrible uh, life among His people. But as He walked and preached among the people. You know, he still preached a message of life. But he recognized they weren't getting it. Matthew 13, uh, 57, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. That must have been very difficult for him as a person to accept that. You know, you, you've, you've put out the hand of, of help and love and, and it's, uh, it's not accepted. It's not accepted. But, he was rejected. That was one of the prophecies. And so he came and he endured. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. But he, when he came, he lived, he endured, and then of course he suffered. And as we look at the song we just sang, uh, page number, or, or uh, hymn number 249, we see how he lived in verse 1, how he uh, endured in verse 2 and how he suffered in verse 3. But he did suffer. The great prophet Isaiah continued, Isaiah 53 verses 8 through 9. We're not gonna, not gonna read that. But it talks about how he was, was cut off from the land of the living, how he was mistreated, how he was treated, how he was hated, all because he loved his creation and his people. He paid the ransom for us for sure, didn't he? John 10, 17 through 18 says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life. I think that is paramount. It, he, it wasn't taken from him. Oh, he was murdered on the cross. But he gave himself. He allowed that to happen. He paid the ransom. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And the Father loved him because of that obedience. It's hard for me to imagine as I look at the story of Christ, the history of Christ, as I read the gospel, the good news, how he would be even able within himself as a person because he was amazing. That's what he was. He was amazing. Uh, he suffered when he laid down his life. And we need to believe that, don't we? He, did he pay the ransom? Do I believe he paid the ransom? Sure. That's why we sing that. That's why we honor him and in uh, uh, songs of praise. But how am I supposed to be able to demonstrate that, uh, that belief? How, how, do I, how do I live like He wants me to live? 
Jesus followed the, the statement he made with, You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, John, uh, John 15, 14. That's how I show him. That's how I demonstrate that, that I believe in his story, that I appreciate what he's done. So when we look at the gospel and the good news, what's the gospel? Well, first he came. And then he comforted. That's our second point. He comforted. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? That he came to do that. He has comforted us, but we must have a mindset of learning if it's going to do any good. Does Christ's sacrifice, does it help the person who dies lost? doesn't help the person who dies lost, does it? There's only one way for Christ's sacrifice to help us. If I have a, a, the mindset of learning, I want to find out. When I, when I learn about the Christ, and that's all part of the gospel, the good news, right? We read about Him, and we, and we begin to think, wow, someone did that for me? That ought to pique my interest. When we look at, at the, the evidences, uh, you know, when we use different words to describe Christian evidences, like apologetics or whatever, but it's evidences where we can prove the Bible is what it says it is. And that's, that's not, a, not a problem to do that. And so when we look at the evidences, and I learned that Jesus was an actual person, that He's not a myth, He's not a story, and I learned what He's done for me, that ought to make me say, oh, I want to learn more. That's where the hearing the gospel comes in, right? What's the gospel? The story or the account of Christ's life. That's the good news. So I believe that, right? It does something to me. I want to repent. I want to be a part of that movement and if I'm going to be a part of that movement, I have to obey the gospel. Repentance and, and confession and immersion in water. Because why? Well, if you do what I say, you're my friend. That's what Jesus said. And we have to understand that, uh, you know, is our story, ourselves, one of being washed in His blood? When we look at His institution of the Lord's Supper over Matthew 26, 26 through 28, when they got to the part where uh, he was uh, dividing the juice, and even when he, he broke the bread, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my body. This represents my sacrifice and the abuse I took. The, the, the juice represents my blood that I shed for many for the remission of sin. So that's a sacrifice. Is my story one where I've been washed in the blood? Paul understood that. He wanted the Thessalonians to understand that. First uh, Thessalonians four thirteen and fourteen. They needed to know that uh, those who who obey the gospel, those who go to sleep in the Lord, or those who die in the Lord, when He returns, He's bringing them with Him, and they'll inhabit their bodies, and they'll come up in the resurrection, and then we'll stand in judgment. See, that's a, because their story is one of being washed in the blood. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Revelation fourteen thirteen. To die in the Lord is a blessing. How do we gain that comfort? He came and He comforted. Because I have this mindset of learning. I have this mindset, I know what the requirements are to His plan, and I'm willing to do that. Again, because you're my friend if you do what I asked you to do. So we have to follow those commandments that Jesus has established as part of His story, as part of the gospel. We almost we must always be learning, 
the way of Christ. Why? Because of His returning, right? He's coming back. It's not a myth. It is an actual story. A real life story. True story. Have you ever... My granny used to uh, watch uh, soap operas. I'd go stay with her during the summer and be during the day and... I just couldn't wait till the soap operas went off. And she's always talking about wanna, wanting to watch her stories. I don't know if anyone else ever used that terminology, but she wanted to watch her stories. Well, those weren't true life stories, were they? You know, those were, were shows, those were actors. Or sometimes you go to the bookstore and, and uh, uh, you know, you see books that are described as true stories. Right? Those are actual events, things that happened. And so... Christ's story is a true story. We have to be learning about Him because He's returning someday. That's the comfort that we have. And we have to understand that. Paul continued in his letter to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with 15. Notice what he said. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That's part of the comfort, isn't it? Those who die in the Lord, when He comes back, they're coming with Him. But we're not going to uh, have our spiritual bodies before them. That's what this word prevent means, go before. Right? That's, a, that's kind of an archaic word, but that's what it intends in the King James Version. For the Lord Himself shall de, uh, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Christ comforted His disciples with that knowledge. I'm returning. I'm going to come back. We can go to John 14, right? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's home are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Why do you tell him? Because I'm going to go prepare a place. What happens if He goes and prepare a place? I'll come again. I'll gather you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. That's comforting, isn't it? He's not abandoning anyone. And lo, I'll be with Yahweh, even unto the end of the world, Matthew 28, 20. He promised to be with us. Jesus will come again, and for those who are not ready to meet Him, there's not going to be comfort. That's the, that's the sad part, isn't it? Those people are going to experience the wrath of God, just as Paul described it in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9. You don't know who God is, or you've not obeyed the gospel. Punishment's coming. We don't want that. We don't want that. And when we look at that a little closer, I think Jesus is, uh, or Paul's trying to, to emphasize those two points. We better know His story. And when we learn His story, we better be obedient to that. Those who give themselves to Christ through obedience to the plan of salvation, they're responsible for teaching other people. Let's go back to what we said uh, in the sermon this morning. How was it that the Macedonians gave? They first gave themselves, right? They gave themselves to the Lord. But we can't do that. We can't help others come to God until we come to Him first. So when we, when we do come to Him, we understand we're learning. He's returning. And we must be diligent in watching. We must be diligent in watching.
What are we watching for? What is that for which we watch? That for which we learn? Well, when Paul, in 2 Timothy 4, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now I know there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Not for me only, but for all those who love His appearing. Verses 6 through 9. 6 through 8, rather. So what is loves His appearing? Those who are watching. Those who are looking forward to His coming, right? And uh, he, Paul was comforted with that. Paul was comforted with that. We can be comforted with that. But what he wanted Timothy to understand was he wasn't the only one, right? Timothy, you be comforted by knowing that same fact. And we can look forward to it because we know we have a place in heaven. And we go back to John 14. Jesus made that statement, Watch ye therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 24, beginning with verse 36. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? We read the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I think a few weeks ago we we talked a little bit about the, the ten virgins. They had to be prepared. They weren't. Five of them were not. So they weren't understanding what they needed to do. When we look at this idea and we talk about the gospel or the good news, what is that? Well, that's the story of Jesus. He came and He comforted. How did He comfort us? He gave His life. He died on the cross. He was murdered by wicked people. Though He laid down His life intentionally. That's how He comforted us. It's just simple as that, isn't it? He brought the salvation of heaven to earth through His sacrifice. What's what's the gospel? Paul said it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But it's all those other things that led up to it as well, isn't it? That's what John was talking about. Not a different answer, better detail, right? Or additional detail. Each of us will know one of two endings in this life. Paul warned this. Notice Romans 11 verse 22. Behold therefore the goodness and the severity of God. O them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Don't leave here today not, not being in that position to look forward to the coming of Christ. Always be watching, looking for his appearing. Can't wait till he gets here so we can go and we can be with him eternally so we can be reunited with those we love who died in the Lord and we can go and surround the throne of God and worship and honor him throughout eternity. It's never ending. If you've obeyed the gospel and you haven't been faithful, come back to him today. Come back and, and, and be the person that his story or her story is one where you've been washed in the blood of Jesus and you've maintained that faithfulness. If you need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.